Let me um, just ask you to think for a moment about maybe times or situations in your life where the outcome seemed like a foregone conclusion and that the outcome that you envisioned was not a positive one, but a negative one. And you kind of thought, you know what, I know what's going to happen and it's not going to be good. Things like um, the game is unwinnable. For you Cowboy fans, you know of which I speak. Uh, or maybe things like the car is irreparable. Um, the disease is incurable. My marriage is irreconcilable. Um, that child, that student is unteachable. That person is unchangeable. They're never going to be any different. We have those ideas and we reach the conclusion that somehow it's a negative outcome. We have a saying that kind of goes along with that. You know, it's, it's as good as dead. It's over. There's no hope. But the fact is, in God's economy, when something seems over, when something seems dead, when there seems to be no hope, God can bring to bear in those situations a power that's greater than any power. It's called resurrection power. And resurrection power means that where there's death, where there's darkness, where there's no hope, God's spirit moves and brings life and he brings light and he brings hope. We see this. That's what the gospel message is. If you've ever heard the term the gospel, right, it means good news. What's the good news? That where there's death, there can be life. Where there's darkness, there can be light. We see this in the very beginning of the Bible, the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, in the first chapter, in the second verse. It says, And the earth was formless and void. It was an empty waste. It was barren. It was lifeless. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved, and life came forth. That is resurrection power. And in the same way, Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life and died a brutal death, and he died on the cross, and it says, he says of himself in John chapter 10, he says, no one takes my life, but I lay it down. I lay it down, and if I lay it down, then I have the power to raise it back up. That is resurrection power. And so Jesus died. He hung on that cross, and he died, and they took his lifeless body and placed it in a tomb. And the Spirit of God hovered over that lifeless body. And three days later, the Holy Spirit moved and life came forth. And Jesus walked out of the tomb and he said, I am the one who is dead, but now I'm alive and I will live forever. So when it comes to resurrection power, the first thing we need to know is this. Resurrection power is what brought Jesus to life. The, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in that moment is what brought Jesus back to life. This is what it says in the book of Romans. It says, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And if that same Holy Spirit lives in you, and he does, then he will give life to your bodies. There is a power in resurrection power. There is an aspect of that that we need to learn. That the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. God says the resurrection isn't just a moment that happened 2,000 years ago. It's something that we are meant to experience throughout our lives. So the first thing that we learn is that resurrection power is what raised Jesus from the dead. It's what brought Jesus back to life. The next thing is this. Resurrection power is what brings you to life. 
Listen, we understand or we ought to understand, or maybe you don't understand, but I'll explain it to you, that when Jesus comes back, right, we, we see in the Bible that after his death and resurrection, that he met with his followers for 40 days and taught them all kinds of things. And then after 40 days, he ascended to the right hand of God, the Father in heaven. But he says, when I leave, I'm going to come back. And when Jesus comes back, it is going to be a moment unlike any other moment. He's going to descend in the clouds. The sky is going to be torn open from pole to pole, and he will come down, and it will be wonderful and horrible all at the same moment because we have no idea. He's going to come in the clouds with a sword in his hand. He's not coming as a suffering servant. He's coming as a conquering king. And when he comes back, the Bible tells us that those who are in Christ, those who are followers of Jesus, those who have died, they will be raised up. They will be resurrected and they will be raised up and they will rise into the air and meet Jesus. And those who are still alive, who haven't died, will be caught up with them. And the Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we will be made like him and we will all have glorified, resurrected bodies. And it is going to be fantastic. We have no idea what all that means. But here's what I know. It also means that resurrection power isn't just for the age to come. It's also for this life that we live in. See, Jesus was raised to from the dead by resurrection power. We will be raised back to life in resurrection power, but we're meant to experience that resurrection power here on earth. Here's what it says in Ephesians. It says, God loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. There is a life that we experience. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in all the mistakes we made, the way we hurt each other, the way we hurt God, the way we violated his holiness. There was no way back to God. And God said, I have a plan. And that plan means a great sacrifice. But in that sacrifice, in Jesus' death, will come life. That's the gospel message. Where there's death, I will bring life. It's very important to understand when it comes to what Jesus did, right? On, on Good Friday, we celebrate Jesus' death. And Jesus' death, his, his, his dying is what brings us forgiveness. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We couldn't be forgiven if Jesus didn't die. So by his death, we find forgiveness. Through the piercing of his, his side, through the, the wounds on his back, we find healing. But through his resurrection, we find life. If Jesus only died, our sins could be forgiven and we'd still never be forever with God in heaven. Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, Paul says, we're the most uh, pitiful people of all. Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Jesus wasn't raised again. But Jesus was raised again and because he was, we have life. So we are meant to live in this dynamic aspect of resurrection power. Resurrection power brought Jesus back to life. Resurrection power brings us life. And because of that, because Jesus lives and because we live, we are meant to experience resurrection power today. So the third thing is this. Resurrection power enables you to bring life. That everywhere you go, where there's darkness, you shine light. Where there's death, you bring life. Where there's hopelessness, you bring hope. You, you look at the situations around you, you look at your workplace, your school, your community, everywhere you go, when it seems dark, when it seems hopeless, when 
relationships seem dead, when the future seems like it's gone, when kindness seems to be lacking. We are meant to bring life. We saw this in this community over the past week, right? A a little over a week ago, last Saturday, tornado tore through the area. And I am so proud, not just of our community at large. I am proud of that. I'm proud the way people responded, but the way the people of this church of Hickory Ridge and the family here, Hickory Ridge responded. It was amazing. I mean, just the acts of kindness, the generosity, the giving of time and talents and resources that you just rallied around people. That is, you don't see that in every community. You don't see that in every uh, community of faith. There's a lot of churches that just said, well, you know, we'll pray for you. I'm not this in prayer. But at some point, we have to bring life where there only seems to be death. So I was so proud of the way everyone responded. It just blessed me to, to just incredible ways. But that is our responsibility, that no matter what's happening around us, we're not meant to live timid, afraid, fearful. Listen, you may have had some bad breaks in life. Things may not have always gone the way you wish they were. You may have gone through some really, 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 really hard things, things that I've never walked through, and I, my heart breaks for you. I'll sit there in counseling appointments or just one-on-one with people and I hear the, the traumas they endured, the hardships that they've suffered and I say, oh God, be gracious to them. But here's what I know, no matter what you've gone through, there is a power inside of you, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. In other words, no matter what's happened to you, you're not called to live as a victim, you're called to live as a victor. You overcome. You are victorious in Christ. You don't need to live afraid and timid. You're to walk in resurrection power. So how do we do that? How do we walk in that power? Well, this is what Paul said writing to the church in Philippi. He said, I want to know Jesus. I want to experience the power of his resurrection. That means I'm going to have to share in his sufferings and be like him in his death. This is what I want more than anything else. My highest goal is to know Jesus. Because if I know Jesus, I can experience, not just know intellectually, but experience his resurrection power. But in order to know his resurrection power, I'm going to have to endure some things. I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to even have to die. See, what you can't experience resurrection power if you're still alive. It doesn't need to be resurrected. In order to experience resurrection power, you have to be willing to die. That's why Jesus said in Luke 8, I'm sorry, Luke 9, he said, does anyone want to be my follower? Here's what it's going to require. You're going to have to deny yourself every day and take up your cross. Day after day, you're going to have to die to yourself, your dreams, your hopes, your ambitions, your selfishness, your emotional impulses, the way you want to handle things. You have to die to that every day so that you can follow me. See, you cannot experience resurrection power if you're not willing to die. You have to die to yourself. Husbands, that means you have to die to yourself and yelling at your wife and being unkind to your kids and spending all your time and resources on yourself and saying it's mine and I work hard and I earn it and you know you should do what I say. And then afterward, after you've hurt them and wounded them and they're in tears and they don't even know if you love them, you just say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. That rings hollow. Wives, it means sometimes you have to say, hey, my life isn't just about my kids. It's not about my husband. It's not about what I want. I have to sacrifice things and die to things for others. 
and how you live and how you, and your career and your hopes, your ambitions, all those things, how you handle your finances. You have to die to that every day. But if you do, you will walk in a power that's greater than any power that you will face. So Paul put it like this, writing to the church in Galatia. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. I am dead. And because I've died to things, I live in the resurrection power of Christ because Christ is living in me and he has been raised from the dead. So I can walk in that same resurrection power. So when you get to that point, you just remind yourself the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. And when difficulties arise in your life, and they will, when hardships come and they'll come, when relationships are struggling, when things seem dark, when you feel overwhelmed, you just tell yourself the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. I am walking in resurrection power. I don't need to live afraid, intimidated. You don't need to run from problems. You don't need to say, this is too big. It's too hard. I can't fix this. You say, I am walking in resurrection power. Greater is he that is in me than anything, anyone, any power in the world around me. That's what resurrection power is meant to do in our lives. It's meant to activate our faith. You say, but I don't feel powerful. I feel afraid. I feel intimidated. Here's the key. Don't live based on what you feel. Live based on the truth of God's word. Why? Because feelings change. They change day by day, week by week, sometimes moment by moment. Oh, look at him. I love him. I can't wait to marry him. Oh my gosh, I can't stand him. What was I thinking? Oh, look at her. She's the most beautiful person I've ever met. Oh, turn the lights off. She is terrifying. <laughs> I love my job. I can't imagine doing anything better. I can't wait to quit. All of this in about 15 seconds, right? That's Our emotions are changing constantly. The truth of God's word is unchanging. The flowers fade and the grass withers, but the word of God will stand forever. We serve and live for an unchanging God and his truth is eternal. So you live not based on what you feel. You may feel powerless, you may feel afraid, but you live based on the truth of who God says you are and what he says he's given you. And the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. So you tell yourself that. That is the truth. I have resurrection power within me. So there's one story in the Bible. It's uh, in the early part of the book of Acts. The church had just been started. So Jesus had died and been raised from the dead. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he hung out with his followers and taught them things. And then he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and, and the church was started. And this is probably maybe three, four, six months after the, the church was started. And Peter and John are walking to... The, uh, the temple courts, there's a time of prayer. The, the, all the followers of Jesus met there every day. They learned, they prayed together. The church was growing every day. More and more people were becoming followers of Jesus. And as they're approaching, there's this uh, lame beggar. He had been lame since birth. We don't know what his, his affliction was. We just know he couldn't get himself around. So people would carry him to the gate right at the uh, temple courts, and he would beg for money, for uh, material help. And so as he's laying there helping, he sees Peter and John, and he says, hey, can you guys help me? Can you give me something? And Peter says, yeah, yeah, look here. The guy says, oh, they're going to give me something. He says, um, I, I really don't have any money to give you. I know you like money, but I don't have silver, gold, copper, coin. I don't really have anything like that of material wealth that I can give you, but I've got something. I've got resurrection power. 
So here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm not going to give you anything. I'm going to allow you to see the power of God activated in your life. And so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabs him by the hand and pulls him to his feet. And the man, lame from birth, is instantly healed. And the people go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. What is happening? And he says, remember Jesus? You all cheered for him. And then you cheered for him to be crucified. And he died. But he didn't stay dead. He was raised from the dead. And because of his resurrection, I'm able to do this. And they think this is great. We've never seen this kind of stuff. I mean, Jesus did it, but we, you know, Peter and John, this is, this is fantastic. So they're all celebrating, but the religious leaders heard about it. Now, religious leaders have a problem. They're always worried about losing their influence and their position. And so they, they get really squirrely, like, wait, 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 wait. You guys did a miracle, and it can be verified, and we don't like that. So they call them in and begin to threaten them and say, you can't preach like this. You can't tell people that Jesus was raised from the dead. We don't want to hear that anymore. And then this is what Peter says in response. He says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands here before you. It's because of his resurrection power that this miracle happened. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given to mankind by which we can be saved, by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were ordinary men, they were uneducated, there was nothing that made them stand out to have this kind of boldness, except one thing, that they were astonished because these men had been with Jesus. See, that is what is supposed to be the hallmark of our lives. Things are happening. People are persecuting you. You're up against opposition. Things aren't going well. You're going through difficulties. And you ought to say to yourself, my life is different. I have been with the resurrected Jesus. And because of that, I can have boldness. I can have courage. I can face the difficulties. I can walk and endure because of Holy Spirit resurrection power that is inside of me, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So in other words, no matter what happens, no matter what you go through, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be intimidated. You don't need to be timid. You don't need to run. We're not called to run. As followers of Christ, when difficulties happen, we're not called to turn and run. We're called to advance. The kingdom of God will advance. And even the gates of hell won't stand against it. You look at all the armor of God that's listed in the, in the scriptures. There's nothing on your back. You're all forward-facing. We are meant to advance God's kingdom, and you can only do that when you have the boldness and the courage knowing you are walking in resurrection power. Once you understand that, it changes everything. See, Jesus came, and he knew the grave couldn't hold him. That's what the girls dance to. The grave was never going to hold you. If the grave couldn't hold Jesus back, what can hold us back from being world changers, of making a difference, of bringing light in the darkness, hope to the hopeless, life to the lifeless? That is what we're called to do. See, there is a power in you that is greater than any power that comes against you. When you understand, that's why Paul, in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, listen, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. No, no, no. You don't need to be afraid. He's given you a spirit of power, and love, self-control. You are meant to walk in Holy Spirit resurrection power. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. 
If he overcame that, what is holding you back? This is what Jesus says of himself in Revelation chapter one. He says, I am the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever. I have power over death and hell. I have defeated the enemy of your souls. So what is holding you back? The answer is us. We allow ourselves to be held back because we don't understand the power that is inside of us. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. You have a power inside of you that's greater than any power that will come against you. It reminds me of a story. There was a, um, a missionary years ago in, uh, in Africa, and he was traveling one day to a remote village. And it was late in the day, and he's walked this is a small, narrow path through the jungle. And he's on his horse, and as he gets to a corner, a curve, a turn in the, in the path, the horse just stops. And no matter what he does, he can't control that horse to move. And he, and he thinks to himself, are there bandits up ahead? What, what's happening? He knows two things. One, it's too late in the day to turn around and go back. And I have no weapon to defend myself. So fear begins to creep into his heart. But eventually he decides, I can't just stay here and do nothing. So he gets off the horse, grabs the reins, and slowly, ever so slowly, he makes his way so he could just peer around the corner in the path. And there, in the middle of the path, is about a 10-foot-long snake. And he knows that the snakes in that area are highly venomous, and if he gets bit by that snake, he will die. So he stands there, fear coursing through his body. What am I going to do? What am I going to get to do? And then he says, okay, I've got one choice. So he goes and finds the biggest rock that he could find. And he slowly makes his way. I mean, he's thinking this whole time, like, what happens if, if the snake strikes me and I'm holding this rock and I can't get out of the way and it bites me? What's going to happen? What if, I, uh, what if I can't kill this snake? So adrenaline is coursing through his body. He's feeling like, you know, I got more power right now. He throws that rock as hard as he can and he misses the snake by a good six inches. And he stands there ready to run, and he notices the snake doesn't move. doesn't move at all. So he slowly makes his way closer and closer to the snake until he realizes the snake is already dead. Someone had already come and killed the snake, and they just left it laying in the road. And it's the same way Jesus came. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. The enemy of our souls has already been defeated. And yet we live in fear and intimidation instead of realizing we can walk victorious because we have resurrection power within us. See, when Jesus came some 2,000 years ago, the Bible tells us he went around doing good, healing, doing miracles, showing love, expressions of forgiveness and mercy. He empowered the downtrodden. He embraced the marginalized. He welcomed the forgotten. And the people loved him for it. The problem was the religious leaders hated him for it because they thought their power was being threatened. They hated him so much that they tried to find something that he was doing wrong so they could accuse him, but they couldn't find anything. He wasn't guilty of anything. He didn't break any laws. He didn't break any rules. So they made up stuff. They said, we're going to catch him on something. So they trumped up charges that weren't true. They brought him before a court and they sentenced him to death. And he was tortured, beaten, whipped. A crown of thorns was fashioned and pushed upon his head. He was mocked and ridiculed and spit upon, and he was forced to carry his own cross up to a hill called Golgotha, Calvary, where when he got there, they took these huge metal spikes and they drove them 
through his wrists, through his hands, and through his feet. And the agony was unbearable. And he hung on the cross. Now here's the thing, at any moment, Jesus could have ended it all. At any moment, he could have cried out to his heavenly father and he would have sent 10,000, 10,000, 10,000, about 10,000 angels. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and melted them all like wax. It wasn't really the nails that kept Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you and for me. So Jesus hung there and he bled and he died. And when he died, hanging on that cross, the very earth that he created trembled. And the sun that he spoke into existence covered its face in shame. And the soldiers that were created in his very image looked and said, surely he was the son of God. And the veil in the temple, this huge thick curtain that separated us, that kept us from God's presence was torn in half from top to bottom. And it wasn't torn in half to let God out. It was torn in half to let you and me and to let all of us in. Because there's no longer a need for a priest, a rabbi, or a pastor in order for you to gain access to God. You can come boldly to his throne in a time of need. You have full access to God. Jesus came because he wanted a relationship with you. He's the one who created you. He knows you. He knows why you're here and the purpose for which he created you. And he says, I love you so much that I will die. I will take every sin that you've ever created, you've ever committed, past, present, or future, on myself so that you can walk in resurrection power, so that you can experience life. My spirit will move and it will bring Jesus back. And because of his resurrection, you can experience resurrection power in your life. So when darkness comes, when death seems certain, when you are convinced there's no hope, it's over, it's done. When you say there's no hope for my marriage, it's lost. When you say I'm never going to have joy again. When you're convinced that fear is gonna drag you down or that anxiety is coiled up, ready to spring and attack you, you need to stop and say that all may be true, but there is a truth that's greater than those truths. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in me. I can walk in resurrection power. There is a power in you that is greater than any power that comes against you. That's what you need to tell yourself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That is the truth of God's word. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your body. Not just in the resurrection to come, but here in this life. So what is it that holds us back? Some of us are held back. There's a power that holds us back. It's the power of our thoughts and our mind. We're convinced that our past is what holds us back. We have cataloged everything we've ever done wrong. Every person that we've wounded, every conversation that we've had, and we think, I know what I've done. I know what I've said. I know where I've gone. I know how I've hurt people without excuse. And we think that keeps me out. But the Bible tells us when we come to Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. He makes all things new. Don't allow the power of your past. There is something greater than the power of your past. It's called resurrection power. Some of us, the power that holds us back is the power of the present. 
We're, we're just thinking life is never going to be good again. It's always going to be bad. I can't believe that she left. I can't believe that he left. Is she ever going to come back? Is he ever going to come back? Are things ever going to be right again? Uh, is my job ever going to get restored? Are things ever going to be the way they, they were supposed to be? And the, the present is holding you in bondage. But here's the thing. There's a power that's greater than the power of the present. It's called resurrection power because the Bible tells us God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Some of you, you're allowing the power of the future to hold you back. You're, just, you're convinced sometime you're going to get that phone call that you've got this disease, that at some point the police are going to knock on your door and tell you something horrific has happened to your children. The future makes you so afraid you're going to lose everything. There's a pending recession. There's a pending war. And you are terrified about what the future holds. But Jesus said, listen, if your heavenly father cares so much about the birds of the air, how much more does he care for you? Your future is secure because you are in the hand of God. And some of you, what terrifies you about the future is death. You think when death comes, I don't know if I'm ready for it. You're scared to death of dying. It, it, it's, it, it keeps you paralyzed. But here's the thing. There will come a day when you breathe your last breath. But if you're in Christ, your last breath won't be your last breath. Because the very next breath you breathe, you will be more alive than you've ever been because you will be in the presence of the one who says, in my presence, there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more tears. There is no more death. And we will be able to echo the words of Paul who says, death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? You don't need to let, allow the past, the present, or the future to hold you back. There is a power in you that's greater than any power that comes against you. You are able to walk in resurrection power because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. So here's my challenge. Will you begin to walk in, experience, and exercise resurrection power? That means day after day, you remind yourself, you tell yourself, you hold on to that truth. No matter what comes against me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against me. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and I'm asking God by your Holy Spirit, would you begin to move in our hearts? There might be someone here joining us online here in our service right now. God, their first step is coming to that place of faith where they say, God, I'm going to ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I'm going to give you my life so that I can walk in yours. I want to experience that resurrection power that brings life where there was death where I was dead and am dead in my sins and my failures and the way that I've hurt people, I can be made alive in Christ. If that's you, as I said, you don't need a pastor, you don't need a priest, you don't need a rabbi, you can go to God right now and say, forgive me, God, forgive me, God. Be my forgiver and be my Lord. Be my leader and I'll follow you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with resurrection power. Change my life. For some of you right now, you're saying, I want to, I want to begin to walk in that resurrection power. I've been a Christian my whole life, but I've never really walked in that power. I've been afraid. I've been timid. I've been held back from my past because of my present, because of fear of the future. God wants you to be free of all that. He wants you to walk in a power that's greater than any power you'll ever face because inside of you is the spirit of the living God. 
We sang it earlier. Resurrection power runs in my veins too. That is a promise. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you just stand to your feet right now, we're going to sing some songs and celebrate who God is. But if you would say, I want that resurrection power. I want to walk in that. I want to experience that. Then I'm going to invite you as we sing these songs, come forward, get in God's presence, be with him. You can do it in your seat. You can do it up front of the altar. If you want prayer, if you want to experience that life-changing dynamic of the move of the spirit right now, let God do something amazing in your heart.